0: All right, so thank you for coming back today. Continuing discussion of Tao Te Ching. Uh, This is session number 20, and today we're going to cover chapters 48 through 50. Uh, First, I do want to bring to your attention a book that was referred to me, recommended to me by somebody who's listening, uh, who sent me an email this morning. That's the last link I sent. You'll see it in the description text on youtube or wherever you're listening the book is called dao De ching in clear english including a step-by-step translation step-by-step translations the step-by-step is called interlinear <laughs> is another way of saying interlinear and it seems like quite a good translation and it's, it's a guy named jeff pepper and um xiao hui wang xiao hui means little way little hui it's probably a woman, and Wang is the family name, Wang Wang Xiaowei, whoever that is, and Jeff Pepper, who looks like a nice guy. And I think that they've done, it looks like a pretty good job, where they're doing interlinear, hey, hey, like I'm doing. And going, showing the original Chinese, showing the transliteration, or the um, uh, the character pronunciations. Showing a a standard definition for each of the characters and then putting it together in the verse That's just what I'm doing here and um, It does as I've said show that even these two translations by Whaley and DC Lau which I think are quite good um, Leave much to be desired if you really want uh, an exact closest approximation to the original. Uh, These guys have added a lot. A lot. And I guess um, in times past, in the last century, humanity as a a whole could be said to have been uh, unprepared and unready for a word-by-word presentation. Uh, And only in the last 20-30 years, perhaps, Or recently uh, for the Tao Te Ching could we say I guess perhaps that humanity um, some portion (laughs) is able to handle the truth of the original characters and a word-by- word uh, transliteral trans uh, translation or interlinear version uh, because all these translators had good intentions, uh but in general, but really um embellished heavily, and the meaning is still pretty good, or there's good wisdom here, but it's much, much beyond the original. So <clears throat> let's look into chapter forty eight You'll see that it's uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight lines of characters. And uh, you'll see the differences between the two translations. So let me read it and then uh, show you how terse uh, and tight the original is. So, uh, Tao Te Ching, Chapter 48, Arthur Whaley translation. Learning consists in or of adding to one's stock day by day. The practice of Tao consists in subtracting day by day subtracting and yet again subtracting till one has reached inactivity but by this very inactivity everything can be activated those who of old won the adherence of all who live under heaven all did so not interfering had they interfered they would never have won this adherence meaning Uh, Those that inspire loyalty or appreciation sincerely from others don't make trouble, they don't interfere, there isn't manipulation or domination, and because there's not interference with the natural way of those around them, they naturally inspire loyalty and affection. So, At the beginning, we have a contrast between learning and Tao. We have a presentation of what Tao, learning Tao, incorporating Tao, practicing Tao, which is, uh, again, akin to uh, being in harmony with what's best for all, what's to my highest and best good, Uh, what's the way of um, fully activated green blue indigo chakras love wisdom discernment and awareness of unity very much akin to raw saying the crystallized healer has no will we'll see this in another chapter Uh, the crystallized healer crystallized by way of fourth and fifth chakra maximal balanced activation so no i mean you know i'm not at that point but I assume it would be no, as Ross said, for the fully balanced entity, no situation would have emotional charge. Meaning no situation would be a trigger for emotional charge. Uh, but, you know, Yeshua chased the money changers out of the temple. Gautama said, uh, you stupid fool or idiot to some monk who uh, did something that broke a rule that hadn't been made yet. That... Um, would have been very harmful to the Sangha. Nityananda was quite fierce, periodically, to troublemakers uh, that were approaching the community. Is that emotional charge? I don't know. Is that righteous anger? Yeah. Is righteous anger um, the result of distortion? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not finished. So, it may well be <coughs> um, righteous. You know, Can there be right action that is um, fierce and aggressive what Tibetans might say anger without hate Uh, can that be right action I guess so and so we should be careful um, to presume that we even understand fully what emotional charge is all about but surely there's self-centered distorted emotional charge and then there's emotional uh, reaction or an emotionally charged reaction or activity that seems to be in harmony with with Tao or what's the best for all. So, uh, we're seeing that uh, for the fully balanced entity, no situation has emotional charge, um, leading to the crystallization of fourth and fifth chakras, meaning a relative maximal activation and balance of the receptive function of love acceptance uh, allowing non-control and kindness and harmlessness with wisdom discernment seeing knowing right so feeling and knowing or accepting and communicating all sorts of uh, polarities can be understood with green and blue fourth and fifth ray maximally develop crystallized equals um, the crystallized healer so called have no will no will outside the logos or what's best for all, or the Tao. And that's associated with uh, subtracting and yet again subtracting till one reaches Wu Wei. And that term, what Weili translates as inactivity, is Wu Wei. And that also, it's not a good translation to say inactivity. Not, not. It's better to say... I mean, Wu is no, and Wei is activity, so non-activity, right? Okay, but it isn't non-activity. It's non-force, it's non-disharmonious <laughs> activity. Non, um, non-logoic activity. <laughs> Non-Dao activity. Uh, thought, word, and deed out of harmony with Tao, with the Logos, with what's true and best for all to one's, uh, for the highest and best, good of all. Uh, activity out of that harmony is avoided. And that's... <clears throat> uh, so, so Wu Wei then means non, um, non-disharmony. <laughs> uh, meaning harmony. And um, that's the result of a subtraction but actually the word original was was lose and so then this initial contrast between learning which is accumulative and developing the seven rays which is practice of tao being in harmony with logos with the one intelligent uh, you know the one in the one uh, infinite creator or higher self harmony with with unity, harmony with uh, non-distorted reality and what's best for all, is associated with loss, subtraction, till one reaches a point uh, of ne- of no thought, word and deed out of harmony, no thought and word indeed, de- no thought word indeed thought word and deed that <clears throat> um, is uh, conflicting with love, wisdom and unity. So, then the second portion of this chapter goes to, it, and this is where you see the text looking like it could be a patch together, a patching. Uh, in talking about those of old who, had, who naturally inspired the loyalty of others, um, their work was non-interfering, non-controlling, non-manipulative, non-harmful. Uh, their work was uh, Wu Wei, but to call it inactivity is is gives a wrong in- indication. It's really um, non-manipulative, <laughs> non-selfish, non-distorted. Then we have D. C. Lao <clears throat> Chapter 48. In the pursuit of learning, one knows more every day. In the pursuit of the Way, the Tao one does less every day one does less and less until one does nothing at all and when one does nothing at all there is nothing that is undone meaning when you do nothing at all everything is done it is always through not meddling that the empire is won should you meddle then you are not equal to the task of winning the empire and so meddling is interfering Uh, interfering leads to loss. And so this is the, the, you know, these core Taoist principles that uh, if you want to get, give. (laughs) If you want help, help. If you want to get help, give help. Um, If you want to win the empire, um, don't interfere with it. Now, what does that mean in practice? Well, let's look at relationship. If you want... Harmony with your partner in a friendship or partnership, relationship, romantic relationship. Um, one should be careful not to interfere in meddle and make trouble for them. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, it seems right to speak your mind truly or freely, while careful not to harm. Right? So right speech, meaning honest in Buddhism, uh, honest and... Um, well-timed or timely, uh, kindly, not harsh, um, seeking to help, not beat up or non-malicious, not trivial, not garbage mouth, garbage talk, <laughs> like the scene in Anchorman when uh, one of the um, one of the manager, stage manager, gets so upset at uh, Ron Burgundy for what he said to talks about his potty mouth or something. Very crazy. uh kind of scene of um emotional regression. <laughs> There's a bit of that there. Um the speech would be right speech one has obviously the right and um even duty to be honest with one's feelings but (laughs) if one's feelings are um, generated by distorted perception meaning uh, I think something that's not true and therefore I get upset then I better pick that up or figure that out otherwise I'm honestly uh, making more trouble by presuming I understand something when I don't and so that's kind of wrong speech so (laughs) one... one one um, in making, in seeking harmony with a partner, certainly honesty is important, self-understanding is even more important, and understanding the degree to which I'm clear and I'm confused this is how I feel but I'm really not sure of what I am seeing, or what I believe is happening, I'm actually I may not be, in some cases I may not be sure, or I may have a sense that I'm mistaken and so that just comes back to Uh, don't meddle, don't interfere. If you want to keep harmony or develop a relationship, honesty is critical, yeah, but knowing yourself precedes it or is the basis of um, useful speech. And non-interfering means um, don't seek to dominate. And uh, as much as can be, let the other be as he or she is. And so... Uh, the Taoist approach in in harmony with Wu Wei, non-action or inactivity, which is, I think, poorly written, poorly translated, non-forcing, um, non-interference, which is not a bad way of looking either at Wu Wei, that's the guiding principle of life. And to get to that Wu Wei one needs a process of subtraction or loss a steady process of loss so let's look at the original text that the first the first two lines are right to left uh vertical is uh wei shui yi it basically means um the action of learning or for um for learning or to to develop learning a uh, daily increase the next line is wei <coughs> dao not wu wei but wei uh, rising tone wei <coughs> dao <coughs> means of the action of dao is daily loss ri Japan, day, sun, date, date of the month, day, daily. Sun, damage, injure, lose, harm. (laughs) Daily damage? No, the Taoist is not a masochist. So it's not daily damage and loss, daily damage or injury or harm. It's daily loss. And daily is the word. (laughs) So uh, for learning or uh, in order... To have, in order to make learning, daily increase. In order, uh, or or in the way of the Tao, or for, for harmony with Tao, <laughs> or to serve uh, Tao, the way of Tao, daily loss. Then, loss, the same, Sun. This loss... It's basically loss again and again. <laughs> loss and more loss. <laughs> so, uh, for Tao, meaning learning the way of Tao, daily loss. Loss and loss again. <laughs> All right. Uh, to then arrive at, uh, Wu Wei, To arrive at, um non-action, let's call it non-action, fine, or non-interference. So, for the way of Tao, daily loss, loss and loss again to then arrive at Tao or or to arrive at Wu Wei. Then, this um, there's actually Wu Wei a different um, yeah, I guess it's the same. Then there's an explanation of Wu Wei. This Wu Wei um. Is, is non-action? <laughs> it's very strange. This the fifth line over. It's uh, Wu Wei, uh, and no way. <laughs> Wu Wei and Bu Wei. Mm-hmm. That's why these guys don't know what's going on here. Uh, non-interference, non-interfering, um, and. and not doing perhaps and then it gets very hard to translate something under heaven uh, always um, is without something something so the second half is harder for me to translate but the point is that learning is a cumulative increase day by day the way of Tao or spiritual development inner work right? not accumulation of thought or knowledge is subtractive is a daily loss loss of what loss of all that's unnecessary a loss of what's unneeded a loss of the unreal a loss of falsity leaving the unneeded dropping what is uh, unhelpful and that's eventually arrives at Wu Wei and and by that Wu Wei everything is complete everything internally (laughs) now you got to know what that means, right? Does Wu Wei mean don't sweep my floor? Or does it mean sweep my floor and don't make a big deal out of it? Well, I would say it's probably the latter. So, the action of sweeping my floor, uh, as a (laughs) humble example, uh, is its performance against Wu Wei, against the Tao? Well, how lame, what kind of strange talk is that? Of course you need to sweep your floor. Well, that's that's wei, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Meaning, can't you say that that activity is action? Or can't you say that sleeping the floor is activity? Duh. So, okay, it's activity. How could it be wu-wei? Mm-hmm. Well, wu-wei then is really more about the mind. Mm-hmm. It's um, non non-distortion, <laughs> we can say. Non-distorted activity, a non-distortion of in mind that makes that may or may not lead to physical activity, speech and deed. Uh, it's a performance. It's um, a mind that knows the necessary and the unnecessary. A mind that knows what is harmony and what's disharmony. A mind that knows what's essential and what's inessential, what's helpful, what's harmful. So there must be some discernment or clarity in that mind. It's not a stupid mind, the mind of uh, Wu Wei. It's not a blockhead mind. It's maybe as simple as the uncarved block, but that's the result of great development. It's just like William Blake said. There are three phases to development. There's innocence, experience, and higher innocence exactly the same and the prior innocence is prior the the, the initial innocence is prior to experience meaning uh, a young soul <laughs> that has may have a quiet mind because it doesn't know how to think because it hasn't had much challenge or difficult catalyst that it didn't know how to figure out which is normal so the childhood soul, the young soul, the early years of uh, incarnation are of innocence, presumably, then the phase of experience, which is long and rough, the long dark night of the soul, the long uh, path. And this is in many ways the path to sixth density. And so the long phase of it, of experience, of um polarity of the eight worldly winds, of uh, hard training phases of pleasure phases of um, despair lots of decision lots of trial and error lots of um change and development that then when the soul if when the soul eventually uh, wakes up. <laughs> but not just wake up, you know, waking up. I can have a moment of awakening, but that's not seven chakra perfection. Okay, you can have insight, I can have awakening, I can I can do vipassana, but uh, that's not the same as seven chakra perfection, and even higher self's not finished. But when one goes to sixth entity, or when one is in that level of development, not, not just six chakra activation, but uh, six chakras uh, near perfection which is about what it what's needed for beings to be in sixth density of course sixth density wanderers here may be all messed up it's a different matter but one can say that the phase of higher innocence is akin to higher self atman late sixth density mid sixth density you know the dimension of unity where there's natural joy and that's akin to Dao Ren who lives in Wu Wei <clears throat> there's no activity outside of Dao or outside of what's best for all there's no activity or thought word indeed that is disharmonious with um, universal love and wisdom knowing and awareness of reality but when sixth density entities intervene in the third density as uh, Ra and the confederation may attest to they um have made some real trouble or it seems like they had grievous consequences meanwhile from the higher level it's uh, just as it should be so in many ways um mm, assessment or interpretation depends on the level of consciousness so what at sixth density seems to be a grievous mistake uh, in eighth density is uh, perfectly in accord with cosmic plan mm-hmm so anyway it goes on and on but <clears throat> uh, one should certainly appreciate that the inner work is um, continually simplifying by eliminating the unnecessary and <clears throat> necessary, um, in terms of activity, in terms of relationships, in terms of, um, where one directs attention. And by that simplification or loss after loss or loss, losing and losing again, it's renouncing. It's, um, detaching it's letting go releasing releasing after releasing so you can call it loss you can call it uh, wise releasing uh, after wise releasing releasing and again releasing but you can't force release also that's another matter and so uh, releasing even the attachment to releasing of course (laughs) if you're attached to releasing you're holding not releasing And so, letting go, even of the attachment to letting go. And the result of that, um, in interpersonal relationships, is that people may love you, because you don't bother them. Hey, hey. Chapter, section, what are we in? 49. Uh, Chapter 49, Tao De Ching. Also, not too long, and so let's go from Arthur Whaley to DC Lao. Daodejing Ching, Chapter 49, Arthur Whaley Translation. The sage has no heart of his own. He uses the heart of the people as his heart. Of the good man I approve, but of the bad I also approve, and thus he gets goodness. The truthful man I believe, but the liar I also believe, and thus he gets truthfulness. The sage, in the dealings with the world, seems like one dazed with fright. For the world's sake, B is actually he, dulls his wits. The hundred families all the time strain their eyes and ears. <clears throat> the sage all the time sees and hears no more than an infant sees and hears. And DC Lao the sage has no mind of his own. He takes as his own the mind of the people. Those who are good, I treat as good. Those who are not good, I also treat as good. In so doing, I gain in goodness. Those who are of good faith, I have faith in. Those who are lacking in good faith, I also have faith in. In so doing, I gain in good faith. The sage, in his attempt to distract the mind of the empire, seeks urgently to muddle it. The people all have something to occupy their eyes and ears and the sage treats them all like children so we've got uh some significant differences between the two translations uh it's uh, consistently lao has a better uh layout and um breaks up um the the verses the lines into appropriate sections each chapter broken appropriately into rightful sections. Uh, Yeah, you can say there are three sections here. In the first, we're talking about the introduction to the mind of the sage. But we can say it's uh, it's an introduction to the heart, mind, or consciousness, or condition of character and mind of sage. Then, how that sage uh, works with a good and a bad man, or a truthful or a lying man or woman where we're we're talking about the relative how that sage deals with uh, others peoples of of positive and negative morality or high and low morality high and low um, spirituality or honesty which is basically truth and good faith or liar in bad faith all right how it how that sage deals with these types of people of uh, varying morality then um, how the sage um, works in works with the collective or the difference between how uh, non Taoist leaders of the collective are, and Taoist leader may well be, but um, there there's a variation in the translations, quite a significant here at the end in the third section. But we certainly have got three players: the sage and the people and in one case the hundred families so in whaley we have the hundred families versus the sage in the in lao we have the sage versus the people 100 families are not the people i'm sure it was originally 100 families and lao thought you didn't need to know that <laughs> and uh whaley i think was more respectful and put it right in all right meanwhile lao has a better layout so that's the way it goes Uh. The sage has no heart-mind of his own. The crystallized healer has no will. Same, same. Um, the sage, or higher self, or the bodhisattva, right? the sage is akin to one who could be called bodhisattva in Buddhism. Mahayana Buddhism developed that. In original Theravadan, bodhisattva means uh, bodhi, meaning enlightenment, or awakening, sattva, meaning being, or entity i mean there are different translations but one is enlightenment being or a being bound for enlightenment so again <laughs> there's the literal meaning of words which then gets shifted Th- then then the word no longer means what it literally meant initially <laughs> initially the word meaning is associated with the literal meaning of its components then <laughs> there's usage over time in which people don't seem to care and do their own thing and tweak, twist and turn meaning um, and then a word <laughs> that meant something, means something quite different over time even bodhisattva may well have been uh, an enlightened being initially even before Gautama used it I don't know the history of that word but uh, while bodhisattva Bodhi as enlightenment, awakening and sattva, like sattvic um, rightness or, I I don't actually know the the original of sattva, but it's commonly translated as enlightenment bound being, meaning a being bound to enlightenment, very much akin to higher self, very much akin to the sage Uh, no selfishness no blockage in six rays not the six ray, all six rays, no blockage but not yet finished. And so, a deeply spiritualized being um, is not feeling selfishly, is not thinking selfishly. <coughs> their condition of heart-mind, sin, their green-blue center, the blue-green center, as Ross said, um, is not um is no longer exclusively personal it's personal and transpersonal and that's the other thing i mean as far as i've known beings who seem to be quite awakened um they're not depersonalized they're just transpersonalized they're spiritualized meaning they're not high and not low they're personal and transpersonal they're self Aware I mean, if you punch them in the mouth, they probably will be kind of unhappy about it. They have a personal uh awareness, and they got to their pat they got to their level of development on a unique personal way, and they will be you know all higher selves are different right i mean there are higher self being the level of unity, you can say there is only one higher self. But that's not actually literal in sixth density. Meaning, there are countless beings in sixth density that we would call higher self, or the level of higher self, or atmanic awareness. And um, each of those countless beings got there on a unique path, and the unique personality or personal personalism of that path is retained to some degree. In it's a it's like a snowflake they're all symmetrical but they're all unique each is unique each is different but they're all perfectly symmetrical presumably and so the the sage is beyond exclusively self-centered personal the higher self is personal and transpersonal is a spiritualized unique mind a unique mind um highly spiritualized therefore um feels with others, thinks with others, knows with others as well as self or in you know the separative beingness they can experience separative they can experience non separation, not they don't experience separation, they can experience both I mean you know God or the logos is all and very fully experiencing each. Uh, in that all so as far as I know and I'm not finished either so the sage, higher self the bodhisattva the one, the crystallized healer um, is beyond separative identity and beyond self-centeredness in thinking and feeling then <clears throat> in in treating or working with people who they are who are recognized as both good and bad. You see, the the little point here is, of the good man I approve, of the bad I also approve, it is understood by that sage, I presume, that some people are virtuous and some are not. Or, some people are highly virtuous and some are little virtuous, or some are uh, more or less. (laughs) And so, those that are more virtuous, moral, ethical, so-called good man... They, uh, the sage, according to this view and this translation, the sage approves of both. <laughs> the one they know as virtuous and the one they know as non-virtuous. They know each as each, but they approve of them both or they treat them both as good. However, that doesn't mean they treat them the same. And this is, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to, you know, am I a sage? How can I how can I tell you what the sage does if I'm not a sage? I don't know. I don't know. I could think I am or I'm not. Somebody else who knows more than me would would have a final answer. So if you want to know about yourself, ask your teacher. Mm-hmm. Or your higher self. <clears throat> but make sure you've not pretended you're not um uh polluting <laughs> the reception uh or your tuning is precise. But If we want to know where we are I think we'd have to learn from someone who's beyond us Um, or at least we have to be quite thoroughly emptied of um, distortion to see clearly our level of evolution but as far as I know at my own level of evolution whatever that is um, the sage the one who lives deeply spiritualized recognizes distinction and differentiation and yet treats them to some degree equally in some way equally and to say I approve is I think mistaken I don't think that the sage approves of the evil doer Uh, and so I judge as good or right I don't think the sage judges the bad evildoer who harms freely as good and right in the same way they may judge or assess the virtuous one so whaley calling approve i think is mistaken treat as good also is probably mistaken (laughs) meaning uh you treat the bad one the one who's not good i treat as good that's not really done and in fact There's a passage, I think, in Confucius. Um, I'm not sure what this was. It was real or a story. Something, I believe, I I don't remember precisely, but something like uh, Confucius was talking, almost like talking against a Taoist or talking up that um, he can learn from the good man and he can learn from the bad man, but he doesn't treat them the same. And I think that's what's being pointed to here. Um, one, in recognizing the good as good and the not good as not good, one gives them honestly understanding. One honestly pres- honestly meets them. But that's not the same thing as hating. And um, uh, approving is, is, I think, a little off. Uh, I, I think it's a sense that I mean as far as I know the hell do I know but <clears throat> the the sage the one in in with deeply spiritualized mind comes clearly discernment <laughs> of course that's why of the good man or but of the bad or those who are good those who are not good those of good faith those lacking in good faith that's discerned by wisdom and they're both met with green ray but they're both met in green ray doesn't mean um i that that evil or harm the harmful dishonest person is treated the same as the kindly honest uh, sincere giving person i mean i don't think the Dao the Taoist is a moron and i don't think the Taoist um treats everyone equally in 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 precise ways, you see there's equal and unequal both simultaneous they're both the 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 sage meets everyone with discernment, meaning they discern <laughs> character of everyone they meet i would presume, and then too, the sage meets everyone with the equality of love, equal love, but love doesn't mean sentiment, and uh we're deep in this with um the uh, Metta Sutta, one of the Metta Suttas, um, where Thanissaro's brilliant understanding, Metta means goodwill. I I totally sign on to. It's not really love. Love is a bit too uh, emotional and sentimental and feelingful and warm and intimate a word to explain Metta. The sage meets all in goodwill the sage meets all by discernment, by goodwill-based discernment. The sage treats each appropriately. The truthful man I believe, the liar I also believe. I believe the truthful man is truthful, I believe the liar is a liar. I think it's closer. <laughs> and there's then the two, as common we have here with Whaley and Lao, um... Subject-object, uh, uh, the polarities of um, the polarity, the subject-object polarity, meaning, are we talking about giving or getting? We're talking about me or you. Um, that that often is unclear from the Chinese original, which doesn't have um, some of those that that um, case of possessive or indicating subject-object. Uh, is often altern- uh, pol- uh, often translated in, in a polarized or opposite way by Wei Li and Lao. So, uh, by this way of treating the good man and the bad man, I don't think it's approving, but and I don't think it's treating as good, I think it's meeting in goodwill. Uh, by that, you can say that the the good man and the bad man both get goodwill, you can say that I myself develop goodwill. So he gets goodness or I gain in goodness. Same. Who's who's getting what? You or me. Both. Not either or, both and. So meeting meeting the good and the bad in goodwill, you get goodwill and I get goodwill. <laughs> meeting the honest and the dishonest The truthful and the liar those with faith good faith and those in bad faith meeting them um with um faith what does that mean faith in or believing i mean i believe a liar is a liar but i also believe the liar um truly um is a lying being now i guess if my goodwill was greater i wouldn't feel anger I mean, a liar (laughs) is trying to screw you. So, having goodwill to the liar. Well, I don't know, Nityananda didn't say, come in, come in, come in, all you liars and and manipulators. He didn't do that. I mean, he knew most everybody was selfish, but they weren't home-wrecking sangha, you know, ashram wreckers. He uh, kicked the ashram wreckers out before they even got in. I don't know, should the Taoist let home... Home records in the ashram records Sangha records I don't think so I don't know so uh that's not quite the same as uh, I have faith in those of bad faith or um I approve of the wrongdoer the the bad one it it this is not you know if you really want to untangle this um you see that the translation has a problem and we are not perfect sages anyway. And so how can we comment on the mind and behavior of a perfect sage not being perfectly spiritualized ourselves? But you can say that those that are virtuous and non-virtuous, those that are honest and dishonest, are recognized clearly as such. Obviously, that's discernment, that's critical. Then both are met in goodwill, but goodwill may include um, a fierce, <laughs> fierce rebuff of the harming, the, the the harmful element, the harmful agent. Seems to me. Then finally, <clears throat> we have um, this strange phrase. You see again, you've you, you know, where Whaley talks about. Um, um The sage seems like one dazed with fright. For the world's sake, he dulls his wits. I'm not really sure about that. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Lao says, The sage, in his attempt to distract the mind of the Empire, seeks urgently to muddle it. Huh? That's, um uh, from Airplane. Huh? That's, uh, Lou Alcindor, if you know who I mean. Uh... Does the sage try to muddle? Somebody uh, unmuted there. Just a second. Okay. Uh, Mr. R, can you please mute? There you go. Thank you. Um, I don't really think... That the sage is trying to muddle the empire. However, the legalists and the distortion—yeah, maybe you hear that white noise—the <clears throat> the legalists who I would say abused Taoism to be a basis, a philosophical basis for a manipulative, sort of quasi-fascist um, totalitarian type approach to governance. Um, would have used this this way, actually. And I don't know who Lao's advisors were or consultants and helpers in translation. They may have had that type of legalist interpretation that the the sage who's basically trying to keep order and control, right? The great controller uh, in the legalist interpretation or misinterpretation of the sage being ruler would then. Uh, keep the people stupid. (laughs) Distract the mind of the empire. Keep the people with something to occupy their eyes and ears, treating them like children, like idiots. I don't really think that's Taoist. Um, And meanwhile, Whaley's translation is kind of quite different. The hundred families all the time strain their eyes and ears, meaning they're so busy, um, hyper-vigilant to... uh, to maintain control that's the way of worldly power then on contrast is the sage that um, limits very deliberately what they see and hear what they do uh, their field of awareness and that's, that's in keeping with the other Taoist chapter the other chapter in Da De Ching talking about, and somebody brought this to me and uh, it's a very famous chapter that um, the sage rules the empire so well and the people are so in Dao when Tao is in society so harmoniously so fully the people of a certain village would never even want to go to the neighboring village to see how things are they're so satisfied with what they have in their own village this kind of thing Um. that that is akin to the sage deliberately. Uh, restricting their field of attention sees and hears no more than an infant sees and hears of course that also could be a reference to Taoist meditation or meditative practice but it, it certainly um, it, it certainly is the Taoist way of releasing or reducing or eliminating the unnecessary um remaining content as is right here right now um non interfering non grasping non contesting non struggling um and um returning to a kind of um transpersonal freedom simplification sim- uh, the simplicity of a transpersonal uh, Transpersonal freedom simplicity <laughs> in mind and life. Something like that. So, that's um, deep, and again, uh, I can't look at the word by words because it will get very serious, but you'll see um, that there are alternate ways of reading <laughs> this chapter as well. Finally, chapter 50, let me see, we got some time. Uh, can somebody else unmute... And say a word and then remute because I hear this white noise build up again. Hello? Okay, thank you. That cut it off. Thanks a lot. Uh, Whaley and Lao, Dao Te Ching, chapter 50, uh, a little longer, translated shorter. I'll read them both. Dao Te Ching, chapter 50, Arthur Whaley. He who aims at life achieves death. If the companions of life are 13, so likewise are the companions of death 13. How is it that the death stops? It's actually death. um, What is that word? Death spots. It's not death stops. How is it that the death spots in man's life and activity are also 13? It's because men feed life too grossly. It is said that he who has a true hold on life, when he walks on land does not meet tigers or wild buffaloes. In battle he is not touched by weapons of war. Indeed, a buffalo that attacked him would find nothing for its horns to butt. A tiger would find nothing for its claws to tear. A weapon would find no place for its point to enter in. And why? because such men have no death spot in them so it's not death stops it's death spots uh I believe this was um uh ancient Chinese or local cultural belief that and maybe associated with Chinese medicine even that there are certain points on the body that if attacked or injured or harmed lead immediately to death something like that like uh the special uh, Bruce Lee death death points, um, like Mr. Spock's Vulcan death grip, or Vulcan mind meld, certain points on the body, like 13, 13 points on the body associated with death, or quick death. Uh, that may be what he's talking about here. Let me read Lau's translation. When going one way means life, and going the other means death, three in ten will be comrades in life three in ten will be comrades in death and there are those who value life and as a result move into the realm of death and these also number three in ten okay why is this so because they set too much store by life i have heard it said that one who excels in safeguarding his own life does not meet with rhinoceros or tiger, when traveling on land, nor is he touched by weapons when charging into an army. There is nowhere for the rhinoceros to pitch its horn. There is nowhere for the tiger to place its claws. There is nowhere for the weapon to lodge its blade. Why is this so? Because for him, there is no realm of death. Mm. So, as always, we see some... um, uh, some trans, some aspects of chapter ten, you know, or some portions of chapter translation, that are attractive and seem more accurate in both of these guys' translations in the single chapter, and one does this better than the other, or it seems more accurate in one translation than the other. Uh, are we talking about <coughs> uh, thirteen or three and ten? Uh, so it just shows you that the the original is probably so unclear um, so um, ambiguous (laughs) so um, fluidic (laughs) so plastic in the sense of um, malleable or modify, uh, translatable in this way or that that it's either 13 or 3 and 10 I don't know but the point is if you're too attached to life you're already losing life if You grasp onto this, you lose it. Grasping onto life aims at life. Or setting too much store by life. Um, Feeding life too grossly. So there are a few different ways of translating that main point. Aims at life. Aims at life. Feeding life too grossly. Um, setting too much store by life. Um, Considering uh, holding too tightly to this or that weakens us in the long run. Uh, When life and death are um, set as uh, enemies, when we love life to the extent that we hate death when we love health to the extent that we hate illness when we love these are all very loose uses of the word love let's say we have super attachment to life we can't face death super attachment to beauty we can't face aging super attachment to health also we can't face aging super attachment to pleasure we can't face absence of pleasure or Um, stillness Uh, super attachment to leadership we can't face um, obscurity super attachment to strength we can't face weakness super attachment to one point in a polarity one pole of a polarity I don't know, never know what they're called what are the ends of a polarity called? ends, points, poles one (laughs) node of a polarity Superattachment to that equals a very poor ability to face uh, experience of the other, of its opposite. <clears throat> Meanwhile, all of life is continual alternation between nodes of polarities, cycles of, uh, cycles of mm, polarity or polar experience cycles, polarity cycles, cycles of polarity. there will always be strength and weakness or beauty and degeneration or leadership and obscurity or leading and following uh, or knowing and being really confused and so if you're too attached to one point um, you'll be quite unable to handle the inevitable experience of its opposite and so, um, to call these uh, whether they're thirteen or three and ten, I don't, I don't know. But uh, there's a parity, equity made between companions of life and companions of death, or equity, equality between comrades of life, comrades in death, companions of life, or com- comrades in life. <laughs> Uh, I think that companions of life is probably better, or comrades of life. But it, it's it's really, companions <clears throat> doesn't mean people. It means um, um, characteristics of experience associated with the companions of heaven are not, um, you know, Baba babaji and his um, his uh, micro sangha of uh, 60 transdimensionals <clears throat> although that may be the case <laughs> there is that's true there is there are multiple um, micro sanghas or small bands small units squads squad level units of interdimensional helpers uh, coming and going from 3.6 down to 3.3 or from 3.6 time space into mm, space-time. <clears throat> These could be called um, companions of life or um, uh, the workers, the adepts who come and go. But I don't think we're talking about companions in life or death. We're talking about those uh the accordance accord with living and accord with with death accord with life and accord with death meaning there's some e- equity <clears throat> there's some parity there is parity between life and death life comes death comes we have life we have death we're in this dimension we're out of this dimension it's equal there's an equity or parity or equality um, between the reality of being here and not being here. I mean, when we're here, in the daytime, we cannot conceive not being here. And when we're before we came here, we didn't have a very good conception of what being incarnate was either, actually. You know, when you're in a blissful condition, you can't really imagine and experience suffering so well and when you're in a 3D embodiment in the physical body other than samadhi or higher jhanas you can't really experience what it's like to be in higher dimensions so well outside of jhana so likewise um, when we're here now we um, feel that this is all but it isn't when we're there we may feel that that's all and we can't conceive here when we're there meanwhile there's an a parity or equality there's a complementarity and an equivalence between um, our human life and our transhuman life our incarnate life and our essential spirit life and likewise in a human life Um, the tendencies and experiences that tend to continuance and the tendencies of mind or experiences that tend towards departure and degeneration or passing away are equal. And in fact, one of the bases, um, a a somewhat alchemical view of um, decay is when the forces of disorder... Uh, gain supremacy over forces of order. And so in the first portion of life, the companions in the first portion of incarnation so-called companions of life are in the ascendancy. In the second portion of life or incarnation, we can say that companions of death or the forces of degeneration or disorder, decay are now or then in ascendancy. Something like that. How is it that the death of Traps, not death tops is death spots in man's life and activity are also thirteen uh, men feed life too grossly <clears throat> it's like saying if you hold on to this, if you hold on to life too tightly or any of the pleasurable worldly winds right the 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 welcome and desirable worldly winds, pleasure gain praise, honor, holding on to any of those too tightly, we not only have a hard time with their opposites, pain, loss, dishonor, or uh, blame and dishonor, we not only have a hard time experiencing their inevitable opposites, which will come, but we bring them. (laughs) You, you know, by, uh, this is a self-perpetuating or self-perpetrating or what, perpetuating fantasy? So self um i forgot the phrase but self-generating attachment you attract what you're too much afraid of what i'm terribly afraid of i attract what i'm terribly grasping and super attached to by that very super attachment uh i sow seeds of loss and so super attachment leads to loss <clears throat> and And welcome, letting go leads to gain, mm-hmm. right. and so grasping at incarnation um may well shorten the incarnation, <laughs> and that that feeding life too grossly, I mean you know tao' uh, Lao Tzu's looking around and he's <clears throat> seeing all these these hundred families with the drool coming out of their mouths, um looking hither and thither for more money and power. Sounds like modern times today. And basically said, you feed life too grossly. <laughs> or you set too much store by life. You're too attached to your possessions and your position and your incarnation. And you really don't know what you're doing here. <clears throat> and that's just the same as it is, uh, as the uh, same today as it was then. And then this um, fanciful and metaphoric, passage about uh, walking on land and not meeting tigers or buffaloes or having no place for the tiger or the ti- the tiger or the rhino or the weapon to harm one, there were <laughs> Taoist cults in later centuries that took this exact um, set of characters and verses, phrases, and walked out in front of um, armies and weapons and got slaughtered. So that's another matter. There were actually a few Taoist cults, uh, quasi-Taoist, superstitious-based, and quite cultic cults that took this passage and um, took it literally. Now there are sages who can do these things too, absolutely. I mean, Nityananda spoke to the snakes of Vrindavan and had them leave before they did a building there. And Gautama, in just what we're talking about, Metta Sutta, uh, taught the monks how to um, pacify by loving kindness and goodwill um, the snakes in a certain area the four kingdoms of snakes totally can be done and um, so yeah one can meet tigers, buffaloes, snakes and um, scorpions and wild creatures and um, <clears throat> be such that they would never attack you because they're happy with you absolutely or they at least don't want to bother you they got other things to do and um, they don't feel any threat so they go their own way for sure um but this is again associated with not feeding life too grossly um releasing any super attachment to um safety (laughs) selfhood ambition grasping getting taking having so and i think this is a nice to end it here in the um, final line of chapter 50 for both. Um, The sage that is free of these super attachments and um, very well here and now doesn't have a death spot. For him there is no realm of death. And that is very interesting. And so, this is a freedom from death. And lots of traditions, I can't get into it, we're at the end of the time here, but Yeshua and Gautama both spoke of freedom from death. Nirvana is called the deathless, and Jesus talked about, um, you know, eternal life inscribed in the, the New Testament, the new book of life, as a Freedom from death. Absolutely. And freedom from death is basically not that the body won't die, the body will die. The body dying is not death. The body falling to the ground is not understood or experienced as death. It's experienced as taking off um, a a vehicle, taking off a costume or leaving one point of, of of bearing and uh, presence and one place of uh, you know the place of incarnate the carne that I'd been in uh, leaving the carne and going to Spiritus again. that's all leaving carne and back to Spiritus that's it <laughs> back to noose back to uh, the new sphere. Anyway, (laughs) um, I hope this has been helpful. And next time we'll look at 5123. Thank you for being here. And thank you to Whaley and DC Lau. Okay. Good night.